Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about generosity. And um, generosity is this uh, um, poly word that we say, Donna, and so usually when we think about generosity, usually when we talk about it, we talk about it in the context of a Donna talk. So you'll hear about it in practice, usually around supporting teachers, supporting the Sangha, um, uh, somehow, you know, financial support, volunteering, all of this. But generosity as a poly word is so much more than Donna. So I want to talk about just the larger framing that generosity is put in, this paramis of generosity, and a little bit more on how I came to understand it. So I look up this word generosity, and uh, they have words like big-hearted, bounterous, bountiful, charitable, open-handed, you know, these are, these are words that give an impression that you have a lot and you have abundance is another word. Uh, one of the examples is giving or sharing in abundance and without hesitation or being more than enough without being excessive. So there's ample, Plenty. You see, these these words give an impression of generosity that I think is not what the Buddha is pointing to when he's talking about generosity. Yes, there is a sense of bountifulness and uh, a plentifulness and all of that. But the generosity that we're trying to practice with, I think, is something else. So when the Buddha would, um, you know, like in this insight tradition, we start, most of us came to the Dhamma by way of suffering. So there's some kind of difficulty and we came to the Dhamma to kind of relieve that suffering. And of course, when you come into practice, that's all we really talk about, suffering and suffering, more suffering than suffering, and just how much suffering we're going to have. It's just never ending that we talk about suffering so much. But that is not the way the Buddha taught. When people would come to the Dhamma, they would come out of suffering, but he would talk about generosity. And he would talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And uh, Tanisaro Biko, who's this... Uh, a uh, scholar, uh, you know, he translated a lot of the suttas. Uh, he said that the Buddha would stay with generosity and good energy, like kindness, until people felt he, until he felt like people were of a large enough heart that they could take on renunciation, suffering, and the like. See, we don't really do that. We start with the suffering, we dwell on the suffering, and then we're sitting there saying, I wish I could get a generous heart. I wish I could be more generous. 
But you can't if you dwell too much in the suffering. So I want to give you an example. When I, uh, when I first started practicing, many of you know, I took on these three vows to, um, be as kind as I could, do no harm, and, and, um, I gave up having my way. And that has, many people will come to me and say, I don't know how you did that. That's such an honorable thing, giving up, not getting your way. But I think this is probably the time I should come clean. I didn't give up not having my way, like, without kicking and screaming. So it's not like I just gave it up. I sort of made this commitment that I was going to give up my having my, you know, always having my way. But I only really gave it up when I didn't care or didn't want whatever the other side was. If I didn't care, then I would give up my way. But if I cared, I didn't give up my way. And I fought and fought and fought. And I could feel, the more I practiced, the more I could feel the tension and the fighting. And then one day it occurred to me, well, if I let people have their way, then I'm kind of doing something, you know, good. You know, I'm doing something better. I'm being the nicer person, the bigger person. And so, in a way, I began to give people uh, their way. I began to let people have their way by giving them. And the more I felt generous in the giving, the more I was able to let go of having to have my way. It's through this door of generosity that a lot of what we'd like to see happen can happen. But it comes from beginning to expand our understanding around what generosity is actually pointing to. Because more than likely, the generosity, we are not going to be in a state of abundance. Way more, plentiful, big amount. We're not going to be in that kind of a state when we are needing to practice generosity. We're actually going to be feeling like we don't have enough, like it's not enough for me. And there's a sense of holding on, and that holding on is where our tension is rising. And so when we learn how to let go, to be free, to give up something, then we can begin to see something greater around this tension that we're stuck with. So tonight I want to talk about generosity, not from its abundance that I think we, especially in, in, in the West, rarely do we feel abundance. There's a weightedness that we don't have enough. We won't have enough. There won't be enough. I won't get mine. There's such a weightedness on us. Maybe it's because we have an abundance of choices, abundance of, you know, options that 
it's overwhelming and we begin to think we'll not have enough. And so this idea of giving in the midst of thinking you don't have enough, it's almost non-existent. So I want to flip it and talk more from this idea that uh, generosity is actually this, uh, this idea of letting go. And we talk about letting go a lot um, in practice. But over the years, I've found that I, the mind does not let go. So this idea of letting go, we can talk about an English word, letting go. But this is not something that comes naturally to our minds. Whatever we are, uh, whatever the mind is, trapped in, it will not let go of that. It will stay there until we come up with a structure that we apply. So when I came up with this idea that by giving, uh, letting someone else have their way, doing it someone else's way was an act of generosity, as arrogant as that sounds, I was actually creating a structure where I would have enough because there were bountiful opportunities for me to let someone else have their way. Bountiful. And even in that, I did not freely do it. What I had to learn was to feel what it felt like when I actually let someone else have their way. And the tension when I kept fighting to have mine. And gradually, there was this gradual coming to an understanding that said, oh, it's a lot less suffering if I'm willing to let go. And then it became easier to let go. But that was a process that happened over quite a long time. Something that um, uh, it's uh, I think this uh, yeah this is what uh, Joseph Goldstein said. He said that if we try to practice meditation without the foundation of goodwill, but I'm going to say the foundation of generosity, this generous generosity towards others towards ourselves and others. It's like trying to row across a river without first untying the boat. Our efforts, no matter how strenuous, will not bear any fruit. This is what Ian's uh, reflection was pointing to, that we can do a lot of practice around the Dhamma, from meditating to studying to doing all these things, but if we're not willing to learn the art of letting go, then we will just spin and spin and spin and spin and spin and stay in the struggle itself. So I'd like to use generosity as a way to talk about how to begin to let go. So we'll start with this uh, Donna. Donna as the uh, first step. So we can begin to learn how to let go by actually 
letting go of gifts, things, material things. Um, we can give away material things, give away small things, give away big things, just give things away. Um, I always walk around with a certain amount of $1 bills in my bag or my uh, pocket just to give them away. Just have some $1 bills. And when I've given all the $1 bills away, I have to wait until I get another, you know, 10, 11, 12 $1 bills. And I just give them away. But there's something about this act of giving it away. Giving, giving, giving. So giving away things. It's not really easy to do this. Might seem like I could give away simple stuff, right? We can give away mostly the stuff that we don't use anymore. I don't want it, so I can give that away. But I'm not going to give away anything that, you know, I want. And that, that right there is the source of our troubles. Because in we as humans, not anybody personal, but we as human beings, we acquire, we get things, acquire things, and we get attached to everything that we acquire. So we live in a world of the acquisition of things, 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 things. And these are my things. And the idea of giving away uh, things becomes more of the problem. So once we start having things, now we have to create ways to protect and secure uh, these things and accumulate things to, um, to have a sense of, of who we are by the things we have. Uh, I think, I don't know if I, I don't know if I told you guys, but up on Capitol Hill, there's not a lot of um, uh, garages, you know, like if you live in the like suburbs or you live in the neighborhoods where people have houses with garages, that's one thing. But on Capitol Hill, it's pretty much uh, apartment buildings and a lot of street parking. And there's a car that's a Tesla that drives around. It is Filthy. It's filthy. It's scratched up. It just drives me crazy. I'm thinking, who's going to pay that kind of money for a car? And that car looks like that. And for a long time, I used to be so angry and irritated at the driver. I never even saw the person that drove that car. But every time I'd see that car, I'd be upset. Like, how can you have a Tesla? And it's not like bright and shiny. That's what I think a Tesla should look like. And then one day it dawned on me, that guy or woman, person, whoever has that car, has probably more respect, more dhamma energy than I would. Because the car, I, I would already put the Tesla car in a box on a pedestal. We got to take care of it. It's my stuff. Don't even scratch it. Have, you know, I'd be one of the persons taking up two parking spots just to make sure nobody has enough room to get around me. But instead, I looked at this car and realized 
that if you do not have that kind of attachment to it, and you can let it just be a car like any other car, it's a world of difference. Because on Capitol Hill, you're parking on the street, getting the car getting dinged, people who cannot parallel park are going to bump into it. To have a sense that it's okay for my car, whatever it is, my Tesla, to be right out on the street with everybody else's, that's a completely different understanding around the car. And in some respects, this is what the Dhamma Andana is pointing to. It's pointing to learning to recognize when we are overly attached to our things. And part of the loosening of that attachment is learning to let things go. Give things away as much as you can. Give it away, give it away, give it away so that you can begin to sense this attachment. So it's not, it, take a, it, take, it can take a while, but we're not trying to um, live in a place where we don't have any attachment. Like um, um, Ajahn Amaro one time gave this interview where he said that you know, they live in a monastery, I guess. I've never been to the monastery in England, but I, I hear it's beautiful. And so this uh, interviewer was saying, well, you guys live in this really beautiful monastery. You know, don't you have some kind of attachment to that? And he said, no, we know that the monastery is temporary. So if somebody were to sell the monastery and tell us, well, you guys got to go move out to the tents in the back, we would move out to the tents in the back. And that's the difference. But as lay practitioners, we're not so much like that. We, we get attached to our apartments, our houses, our cars, our stuff, our clothes. We get attached to our things and we accumulate a lot of things. So the idea isn't so much that to be, um, not have anything as much as it is for lay practitioners to begin to sense when you're overly attached, when you're too, uh, too attached. And I realized when I noticed that car that, oh, that's why I'm having so much irritation around seeing this Tesla outside is because I'm attached to what I think a Tesla should look like. And in reality, it's just a car, like any other car, and it breaks down just like any other car. It has its problems just like any other car. costs a lot of money if it breaks down, but it's still just like any other car. And that this first level, then, is we're learning how to discern this quality of attachment and acquisition of things. And we're learning to just let go of our things, these random things. That is what the point is of Donna. You're sharing your resources with teachers and sanghas and people regardless of whether or not you have an abundance. You are 
letting go of the attachment to things and you're learning to feel that attachment. So the um, the second kind of word, I think this is pronounced kaja, but I can't remember. It's C-A-G-A. I can't remember how poly, uh, um, how the poly word is, but I think it's not the way I'm saying it. I think this is the way I always say kaja, but I think it's pronounced a different way. But anyway, this is another, so think of generosity. Donna is one facet. This is another facet. Same thing. Except what you're giving up is this sense of uh, ownership, this possessiveness that we have. So there's a way in which this acquisition of things creates a sense of possession. Like this is mine. Um, and so we are moving into a much more subtler and yet serious aspect of practice. Here, we're moving into this subtler nature, um, having a sense that property is just property. It is a, um, it's t temporary and all things come and go. All things. So it's, it's beginning to pay attention to our sense of ownership and you're actually beginning to let go of the idea that you own stuff, that you own uh, anything. Um, Shanti Deva was probably one of my favorite sages, uh, says that uh, others are my main concern. So when I notice something of mine, I steal it and give it to others. <laughs> so this stealing your stuff and giving it away, what you're really giving away is this sense of I own this. Because when you actually give something to someone else, you are letting go of the ownership of it. You are letting go and you're letting someone else own it. This is part of why my giving other people the right to have their way had such a profound effect on me. I didn't know at the time that it would have such a profound effect because I didn't realize the significance of what I was doing. I was just trying to... Uh, make myself Buddhist in the best way I knew how. But the underlying current was that I was letting go of ownership of the uh, the way, the solution, letting go of the ownership of how things were going to unfold, letting go of this need to control every outcome in my life. And for someone like me, who came from trauma and, you know, I have just had a lot of, uh, uh, I, you know, was a single parent, so I'm, I run everything in the house. It's my way or no way. That's it. I don't even have to negotiate with a partner about what we can do. The boys just look at me and it's sort of like, yeah, my way or the highway. That's it. And I was a prosecutor. And so prosecutors, we just dominate and control 
courtroom cases, just everything about my existence. I was one of the older kids in my family, the older set. So all the younger ones got to do what we say do. And I just, my whole life was dominated by being in charge and being in control. So this idea of giving that up, giving up the right to control everything is a huge undertaking. But in that, if you open it up into this greater spirit of Kaja, this idea that we don't have to own everything, that everything that we uh, acquire or have, we are borrowing it temporarily. It's more like borrowed stuff. And that having that sense that we are borrowing things allows us to learn how to let go of some of the things that we have. We can let someone else borrow it and share it with other people. Uh, so the last one is upadi. And upadi is this third facet. Uh, it's a different kind of uh, giving up, a different kind of letting go or giving is what we're talking about. And what you're letting go of or what you're giving up is these defilements of mind around ownership and mindness and possession and taking. You're giving up or attachment. So this attachment, possession, ownership, all of these things come with certain mind states that get very um, aggressive, aversive, greedy when it comes to our own stuff. And, and, and we get trapped in it. So what this facet of generosity is doing is giving up these mind states, giving up the mind states of jealousy and envy and covetedness and all of this wanting, wanting, wanting and holding, holding, holding uh, that comes with attachment and ownership and the acquisition of things. So you can see this is, it is a different flavoring. I'm talking about the same thing, but each one of these facets is a different flavoring to the same thing. So what gradually began to happen with me is that instead of me giving up my way out of some resentment, kind of, okay, I don't care, you can have your way. That's the way it was at first. I would calculate whether or not this is something I really wanted. How long am I going to fight for this? And then gradually I begin to see that even if I really wanted it, that the letting someone else have their way, the ease of that, the lack of tension was so much more important to me. I could feel it. And so this giving up the tension, the tightness, the aversion or greed that comes with having to have my way, I gradually over time begin to give up this defilements of mind around having my way and getting things the way I wanted it.
Is this making sense? Can you see how it's all the same thing, but it is a different facet on each one? This is sort of what we're looking at. Um, this is something that, uh, where is my one? Oh, yes, here it is. So this is a quote from the Buddha. It says, um, to live a pure, unselfish life, one must count nothing as one's own in the midst of abundance. So the more you're able to let go of the idea this is mine and this is this is this idea of this is mine I just don't want us to get it twisted cuz you know if you're around little kids you just give them you say you can play with this toy and as soon as you give it to them that's theirs it's not I'll play with this toy and then I'm going to leave it here when I leave. It's mine and they own it and they have a difficult time. We have to actually teach children to share and um, and uh, not have this sense of ownership, taking turns, things like that. And this, this is in us. Uh, it's rooted in us. So think about this. If this sense of mind, ownership, possessiveness is, is lodged in us, and you begin to unhook yourself from that, can you see the liberation that comes from that? It doesn't come from the giving. It comes from the unhooking yourself from this grasping nature of possession, ownership, mind. And that unhooking without all the negative thinking is what the Buddha was saying. That is why this is called liberation. Because we're liberated from the natural, instinctive kind of uh, suffering that we inher inherited when we were born. So the second part of this kind of nature of, the first part of it is that dana, this generosity that we're cultivating here and learning to practice with this month, is about letting go. The whole point is to let go. Look for things to let go of and see what happens. Let go of things that you don't want to let go of and see what happens. Tell yourself you should let go of something and then don't do it. And then see what happens. You know, it's just all, all of it works. It doesn't really matter. There's no like honorable way to do it. Cause if there was an honorable way to do it, I was kicking and screaming. I was not in the honorable category. So it, I stumbled upon something that was liberating and it was only because I was willing to trial and error and fight my way through. So what we are talking about, the, the other side of generosity, the giving, is this reciprocity that comes with the nature of generosity. There is a reciprocity that is necessary in life that we don't feel when we just 
acquire, 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 we don't get to feel what is really the natural way of living, which is the giving and taking and giving and taking. There is a, I guess I should say, giving and receiving and giving and receiving, giving and receiving. That kind of uh, reciprocal giving is what is most important in generosity. So words like abundance, plentiful, you know, big-heartedness, those are noun-like words. Can you hear the, the solidity of it? I am big-hearted. I am generous. I am a, you know, a giving person. There is abundance. Whereas poly words are not quite like that. They are much more of a flowing verb. So in order for someone to be big-hearted in this sense of poly, it has to be in the act of letting go and in the act of someone receiving it. And this kind of letting go and receiving that entire action is what generosity is based around. So in the letting go, it has to be offered freely without pressure to get something back. So I'm not giving this because I'm not giving away my stuff because I want something back. In a way, that's the way I started out giving people, letting people have their way. It was this kind of, okay, you can have your way if I don't want my way. You can have your way if you do this for me. There's all this kind of bartering around it. But in the true sense of dana, kaja, upadi, what it's pointing at is it's freely offered. It's let go of in this freely offered way. And there has to be a sense of happiness, inspiration that's connected to this giving. So you're giving out of a desire to give. And now, of course, you can see this is not coming easily. We don't give like that. But even kids, when you start teaching them how to share, take turns, they will gradually, willingly let get off the toy and let somebody else have their turn. Now, they are going to be serious about time and when it's their turn back. But this idea of learning to give freely and take turns, that becomes something that we can practice and learn to do. So this giving. And then for the receiver, it's not... Uh, when you receive from the universe, so you can think about in your life, there's, there's times when you get a lot. You might get a lot when it comes to your job or you might feel like you have this sense of privilege or you have, a, you have acquired things. So check and see if you are 
holding all of that with greed or aversion, like nobody can touch it, or have this kind of delusion that this is all mine, it's going to stay mine, I'm going to keep mine. That kind of energy is also the opposite of what these words are pointing to. They're pointing to both the freely given and then this having this uh, uh, receiving from a sense of uh, gratitude and appreciation and not from greed and hatred and delusion. Um, so you can feel the gift of it. Um, we don't want, uh, we want to be able to fully receive. So for many of you, um, this might be the edge that you have. Giving you can do, but the receiving, that's a whole nother level of trying to practice with something. I know when Thaddeus got sick and I, I could not afford he wanted so badly to move into his own apartment and get married. This guy was dying. And I would think, Patty is, what? <laughs> He's like, I want to get married. We want to get married, me and Angie. And we want to move in our own place. And I remember thinking to myself, I should like be like welcoming this opportunity to help him out. But financially, there was no way I could pay my living and his living off Donna. So how am I going to tell him, I can't, I can't afford this. And that is how I went to Aaron Treat. For those of you who don't know, Aaron Treat set up this GoFundMe. But that is how that GoFundMe got started. I went to Aaron and said, I just don't know how I can afford this and what to do. So she said, oh, well, what are you needing? I said, well, I've calculated it out. It would be about $40,000 because I don't think Thaddeus will live beyond a year. So it's about $40,000 what it would be. And she said, well, we're going to set up a GoFundMe and just send it out to the whole world. And I remember thinking to myself, so everyone will know that I can't afford to take care of Thaddeus. That's what we're going with that weekend. That we, we made a mistake. Something's wrong here. I can't like admit that I can't take care of Thaddeus. That was too much. And then the actual, you can actually go online and see that. You can't give any more money to it. It's closed down. But some of the comments that people said was so enriching to both Thaddeus and I. We were so happy, and people gave so much freely, like $5, $2, all the way to somebody giving $5,000. It was very, uh, very um, overwhelming, just the amount of giving and, and what Thaddeus and I had to bear to receive all of that, knowing that everyone knew about it, and yet there was this sense that if I had not done that, if I had not felt that the actual giving, I would have missed something. I just wish everybody in the world had a 
situation come up where they had to ask for help and actually felt what it felt like to give, to have other people help you when you don't deserve it, meaning that you didn't do something to earn it. People just gave. There's something incredibly uh, just um, inspiring about being a part of that. And many of the people that gave were inspired in the whole giving. So there wasn't a sense of, oh, I didn't give enough and I should have gave more. It wasn't like that at all. It was inspiring to Thaddeus. It was inspiring to me. The whole process it was inspiring to all the people that gave. So that whole process, Thaddeus got to get married. He had his own apartment. I mean, they were fine. And he did not spend the last year of his life worrying about paying bills and financial stuff and will I have enough money. And he didn't worry about that at all. It was just... um uh, you know, we just watched the Marvel movies <laughs> in timeline order. <laughs> so it took a while. <laughs> but then this last point I want to make before I stop here is that this, the nature of generosity, besides this idea of letting go of these various aspects of ownership and possession and this reciprocity that we have to learn to begin to connect into to begin to feel a part of life is part of the reciprocity of life but it's also an internal and an external experience so we can feel internally we learn to feel that tension when we are not in our generous space. It's not a bad tension. It's not like, oh, I feel selfish and something's wrong with me. It's learning to accept the felt sense of that tension when we are not feeling generous and feeling the this kind of more liberative freedom when we are being generous. So feeling that internally helps us discern where the lines are, and then beginning to see outwardly this external sense of the where there's a need and offering, and when there's not a need and receiving gifts, all of that external relationship is still as important. So you want to watch that's why I'm saying that you can just look at your life and pick some things, something you really, really want, something you really, really like, right? Say, okay, I'm going to give this away. See what happens. You don't have to give it away. As soon as you say you're going to give it away, all hell's going to break loose in the mind. So it's like that's what you want to practice with, the, the understanding of what happens at the idea of giving something away. And then see if you give something away, the, even the resentment that begins to come back in the mind, like, I shouldn't have done that. I listened to Tuari and I gave that away and I should have kept it. <laughs> that, all of that is all necessary for us to learn the truth about generosity. 
We need it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, it doesn't matter. We need all of that to begin to learn for ourselves what generosity is. Let's see if there's anything else here. Yeah, I want to leave with a quote with Trumpa Rinpoche. For all of Trumpa's difficulty, sometimes he could touch into the Dhamma in a way that was remarkable to me. So this is something he said. He said, you have to be fully involved. You have to become one with what you are doing. So it is with giving things away. No matter how small the thing is in terms of value, one must be fully involved in the giving so that a part of one's ego is also given away. Through that, one reaches the paramis, the transcendental act of generosity, which is something beyond the ordinary. So let's sit a moment here. Okay. Let's see if there's any comments or questions. Yeah, come on. Do I need to press? Can you hear me? I think we can. Okay. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Tuaret, I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. This really shifted things in me, and Good. I don't get new thoughts often. But um, I also grew up with trauma, and one of the ways that I was taught was to be a people pleaser. And it really helped me to understand the difference between people pleasing and this generosity where you give uh, things uh, on your own will. Mm -hmm. And I think that, to me, the difference I noticed was the unhooking, yeah. um, you know, uh, as opposed to, you know, I've had historically a lot of resentment when I'm uh, giving up part of myself. And the question I have is, um, you know, I've also been, and right now probably I'm at a stage where you know, my boundaries are solid, I'm a strong woman, <laughs> my way or the highway, and it's really yes. working for me. <laughs> That's right. Um, but I can see how it's sometimes not working for me. Um, what kind of prevents me from adopting this, um, uh, you know, unhooking is the fear of what is on the other side, whether there's going to be um, a kind of meanness if, uh, if I give up one you know, thing that's important to me and then there's going to be more and more giving up until the relationship becomes so unbalanced. And so I understand for me, like in most relationships where that would build this give and take that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was very interested when you said you took a vow to do this like globally. 
And <laughs> the question I have is, how did that work for you <laughs> when <Whoa>. the other <laughs> party well, I mean, was... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, get, I did the vow, but that's the point. Yeah. I think that's what, what you're pointing to is what people thought. Like, I, oh, I took this vow and I gave up everything. How could you do that? I did not give up nothing. I, I took the vow that I wanted to let people have their way, right? I wanted to give up having my way all the time. But in truth, in reality, I didn't give up nothing. I only gave up the things I didn't care about. I didn't really give up nothing. It took a long time for me to actually let other people have their way. And it became, it came from realizing I was gifting someone something by letting them have them their way. But the, the point is that when you have a boundary, that boundary is a safety protection. So this is not about going past your boundaries, pushing all the, the fences down and let everything go just to get rid of it all. It's not really like that. What it is, is something happens when we have a boundary. And when you have a boundary and your boundary is secure, you don't feel the threat of somebody taking something from you. But when your boundary is a little loose, then you need them not to try to take this. Don't, I said a the boundary is actually on them, not on me. It's on them. Don't try to ask me for this because if you ask me, I'm going to give it to you. So don't ask me. It's like uh, putting the sign out that says no solicitation. That's where everybody's going because they know if you say no solicitation, chances are you can't say no. So everybody's going there. So it's, it's like what you're really trying to do is create a sense of the boundary is you know when you feel this tension. You know when you begin to feel this tension. And when you feel that tension, is this tension actually trying to tell you, you need to stop, you've given enough, this is enough? Or is this tension your fear that somebody's going to take more than I'm going to give? you got to begin to be willing to feel that tension. So you can know. Because you won't know. There's no way to figure that out until you begin to feel into that tension. And the tension is telling you whether this is I'm giving too much or this is the tension that's saying, hey, you can give a little bit more than this. You don't have to be so afraid. You see? That's what I had to learn. So this was not an anti-abandon of boundary Ooh, talk. Lord, no. It was really about knowing what really they are. That's right. That's what it is. It's more like that. you got to learn to feel into it because if you don't feel into it, you won't know. But I want to encourage you to feel into it instead of thinking, oh, I can't have, I can't give all, I've, I've done enough giving in my lifetime. I'm not giving no more. None of that. But something else that I want to point to you towards is I bet you have a problem, a hard time receiving. Oh, oh hell yeah. Yes. So <laughs> that's what you need to work on. Less about the giving, 
more about the receiving. So it really means that you have to begin to notice all the things that are given to you. I, I, just out of the blue, uh, I, this, everything. You just look around your house, look around your world, and watch how much is given to you. Even if it's something as simple as somebody holds the door when you walk by or you walk in. Eddie, it doesn't matter what it is. You learning to feel that that sense of being given and taken care of will help settle some of the fear of giving away. Right? You see? Thank you. You don't give easy assignments, but I do think they're worthwhile. <laughs> Thank you, Clara. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yes, Alex, go ahead. Let me see, there's a question here. Hello. Hello. Hi, this is my first time sitting with you. I normally sit with Tim, and I've loved your talk so far. Oh, great. Well, I'm glad you're here. And uh, my question uh, was kind of similar to the, the person that was just speaking, and maybe you you answered my question in a way about, about tension. Um, I, as we were talking about generosity, I was also thinking about right speech and um, – you know, is there a way that I can be generous in, in kind of a the wrong way, like um, uh, not being very uh, thoughtful about can this person receive this generosity in this way? And the, the right speech part, I was thinking of like, you know, right content, right timing, right tone. And if there's similar ways of thinking about generosity. Yes, that's right. It's the same thing that you're actually doing. And so the, the, what you're inspired here is to begin to feel into whether or not your generosity is freely offered. Is it freely offered? Is it coming from a sense of inspiration and, uh, um, uh, happiness? That's really what the, test is if it's coming out this is what the person before you were saying if it's coming at attention which is the way my uh generosity around letting people have their way th that's the way my renunciation started out it was being i was forcibly doing something and it's not it wasn't until i brought generosity into it that the renunciation was even possible so yeah, you you um you're in this right thinking here, this uh uh right view that it's how uh freely offered that your generosity is. And the more freely offered it is it is offered, or the more freely you accept whatever is being offered to you then the more you're going to feel into this paramis of generosity. And the more tension we have around it, the more it's not that you don't have generosity, but you can begin to see the taint that's kind of, or the covering or some kind of uh, barrier around the free flow of generosity. Because it's an actual verb. It's not a thing. And so you can begin to feel the, 
the resistance against that generosity and that's what we want to learn to feel. So it doesn't matter whether you feel the tension or you feel the free-flowing freedom of it. Both of them are important so you can know what is true generosity, like true Dhamma, letting go, and what is this more um, uh, constructed or constricted kind of suffering. More, It's really attachment is what it is. One is attachment, one is generosity. And which one, you want to begin to feel that attachment. Great. Oh, come on, Deb. Oh, yeah, let's do your question. Maybe now I can give you a good answer since it was kind of flaky on Thursday. <laughs> you don't have anything to apologize for, Twerry. <laughs> um, actually, I was going to tell a different story tonight anyway because okay. you, you just answered... In various ways, my earlier question, because it had to do with boundaries and things, and freely given, and I think I was giving my family member a little too much, and I felt resentful, and yeah. I think that was, I realized I was needing to pull back on boundaries, so, because I'm also the oldest kid in my family, she who must be obeyed. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. But the story I wanted to, or the thing I wanted to bring up tonight was about giving things away because people know, many people know I'm moving. And so we're cleaning out closets and bookshelves and dispersing belongings. And so I had some books that I decided to put out in a box on the sidewalk. You know how people do free? Yeah. Um, yesterday. And um, one of the books belonged to my late father. And it was a book that I had read, but it belonged to him. And it was Moby Dick. Has anybody read Moby Dick? I have. I read it. It took a long time. But I really was very fond of this book, even though the binding was broken and busted, because it had these illustrations in it. It was beautiful. And I thought, oh, that was Dad's book, and I love those illustrations, but I'm probably not going to sit down and spend two weeks reading Moby Dick ever again. So I'll, I'll let go of it. And I put out the books, and really there just wasn't very much foot traffic in the neighborhood, and so most of the books were still in the box. I brought them back into the garage. And then this morning I thought, oh, I know what I can do with that book. I can do an art project. I can make collage out of that book. It'll be great. And it'll be Dad's book, and I can still have part of it with me. You know, I got so excited. And, of course, that was one of the few books that was gone. (laughs) It was not there. I said, I can't believe this book was taken. The binding was broken. Who would want this book? And I went back and checked again. I said, I can't have missed it. 
the book was gone. And I thought, well, the universe took that book away. Someone else is making art out of that book as I speak, I hope. You know, it's just like, well, there you go. The book is gone. So, okay, it's gone. And it was just kind of a funny thing because... It doesn't feel gone to me. Yeah. It feels like it's still in the room. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't it feel like the book is still here? I did. If the book was in that box still, I would have taken it back. Yeah. And held on to it, you know? I think you still own the book. (laughs) You still own it. So it was kind of, yeah. It It was complicated. I had a complicated relationship with that book. Yeah. With that object. But what I want you to, what I want to point to is the, the physical object has gone away. That's why, uh, that, that's why these are three different aspects of, three different facets of the same word generosity. Because the physical object has gone away. That's the Donna. That's what happened. But there is a, this kaja and this upada is different. I don't know so much upada, because I think you don't, I think it was freely offered. But this ownership is still there. Mm. This sense of that was mine. And that ownership is, is still alive in you as if the book was just, uh, in the box in the garage where it's been for years, you just don't see it, but you still own it. It hasn't actually left. That is a, this is a good thing to begin to see what is it that you're actually holding on to. It's not the physical book because even, even, even before you, someone else took it, you hadn't like picked it up and had it and used it. So somewhere, there is a deeper ownership that's there. That's what you want to let go of. You see, that's where the, that's where the practice is. It's not let go of it because there's something wrong with you holding on to it. That's not what this is about. There's no right or wrong here, but it's beginning to feel that there's something else besides just the thing that's uh, uh, that's uh, connected to our things. Mm. There's something else here. And we as long as we're tied to that something else, we we are we are tied, we are bound in bondage with it. And so the letting go of that energy isn't letting go of your dad. It's it's not letting go of any of that. It's just watching and noticing what is it that has you bound. This situation is kind of a sweet one to practice with because it's not a lot of negative. But sometimes that energy is very negative and we won't let go of the negative energy either. So we don't let go of the positive, sweet. We don't let go of the negative. All of it is we are tied to these objects that we acquire and this ownership within them, this attachment, that's what you're feeling, is that attachment, or that's what I'm sensing, that you're still attached to the book, even though the book itself is long gone, and you 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 haven't even had a relationship with the book for a while. 
but because of what it represents, we're attached to that. So there's no rush to let anything go. There's just this, you can get interested in the, the tether that still exists even after the book is long gone in someone else's hands. You see? I'll have to think about, yeah, what the tether is. Yeah. Because right now I couldn't answer that, but. No, no, no. You don't yeah. have to see what the tether is. I just want to know, do you see that you're still attached to the book? I'm attached to the idea of what the book um, could have become. Mm-hmm. You know, the utility of the book and the beauty of the illustrations. And they really were extraordinary. That's probably why yeah. whoever looked at it is probably why they took it. Maybe so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, it's just that. It's, it's, that, that's a good example of helping show that we have both things and then we have a possessive nature of those things, and then we have the defilements of mind that are attached to it. Three different aspects are attached to one thing. So you can give away the thing, but we have to work on giving away all of that energy around it also. Thank you. Yeah, good. Do you have a question? Okay. We might can bring the mic over. Okay. Okay, good. I've been coming here for several months, and I haven't really said much. Yes, I know. I'm kind of happy. <laughs> I'm a bit quiet person. But, you know, one of the things that I've been doing is... Uh, been fighting against myself quite a lot and it's you know it's it's come to the point where my life I have to or at least I feel like I have to do certain things I have to eat better sleep better interact with others better I've decided a long time ago that I wasn't going to really interact with very many people and I, I'm you know, it's, it's, it's getting to the point now where my my emotions will not be quiet. Like, there was a time where I could just, like, kind of hide things. And uh, it's no longer the case. And I guess, like, you know, this talk about generosity and stuff, I don't really know if I had a super well-formed question, but I guess I'm just kind of wondering, like, you know, like... I would like to give more, but I also know that I need to receive more as well. Mm-hmm. And I hate doing that. I really hate it. Hate losing my independence. Hate. I just hate saying, "Hey, man, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. I really need it." Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's it's getting to the point now where like my emotions are not going to let this go. And I have to have to do something. And I just, yeah, just kind of wondering, you know, how to proceed from that. Well, I'll tell you like this. So on one hand, the Dhamma is designed to help us see where we're having difficulties. That's the, 
That's the thing that practice is going to bring up. On the other hand, how you hold on to that difficulty is both whether or not you need it. Uh, sangha, like we have a sangha here, so you have to be with a group of people who are practicing similarly so we can all begin to see that we're even, right? So not anybody is better. We're all struggling with the difficulty of all this. And so that sangha actually helps us continue to practice. And then you have to make sure you have enough support around you Do you have enough resources and support generally to help you deal with all these emotions, right? So the emotions are going to come up. Dhamma brings up difficulty. And so that is part and partial of what we're all trying to do. But here's the, the, the bigger edge or the thing that I think is probably the most important. Learning to give is one thing, but learning to receive is very difficult, but it is a necessary part of giving. The more you're able to begin to see what you are gifted in the world, the more you're going to be able to give. But if you just give, 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 without learning to fully appreciate receiving, then you will get worn down by your emotions because the giving will get out of balance. So whatever giving you're doing, make sure you are balancing that with plenty of receiving. I I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. That's what I was pointing to about Thaddeus' death. It was very difficult to receive help and the idea that everybody knew that I needed that help. But I would not give up that gifting that people gave me for all the money in the world. I was so it was such a benefit to be able to receive at that level. So when giving is coming, receiving becomes very, very important. And that's where your gift is going to come. I guess I'm just wondering, I'm kind of worried about the opposite happening, like receiving without giving, and that, that scares me too. Cause yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that. I think the receiving, that what ends up happening, if you receive gifts freely, this heart opens up and you naturally want to give back. It just naturally begins to flow out. Yeah. It is happening a little. Yeah. So I appreciate that. All right. Thank you. Yeah, if it's coming. All right. Thank you. Okay, everybody. I think we have to stop here. Uh, Yeah, Bob, it is a gift. Um, Let's see. Do we have announcements, Kaba? Um, we'll just do them next week. Okay, great. All right, everybody. Well, 
I got your homework. I see that Ken typed it up and put it in the chat. Look at you, Ken. <laughs> so you already have it. If you uh, get your chat and uh, take a copy of that or, you know, pull that uh, copy from the chat because uh, Ken already typed the whole homework up and put it in the chat for you. I appreciate it. So maybe Tim will come next week and talk about something in a completely different framing. Maybe he'll talk about this as a summary. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but then I'll see you uh, on the 19th, and uh, we'll talk about practice a little bit more deeply around this. All right? Okay. So let's just uh, – I guess I'll – I feel like we should just take a moment to be quiet here. Let me ring the bell. Just seems like there was some heaviness here with this idea of of uh, receiving. Let me just ring the bell to say goodbye.